here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rat Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. We're going into week seven. Uh, Pat and Scott here to get you up to speed on what you need on the waiver wire, some start sick options as well for the weeks. Uh, we've been going back and forth. I know, Pat, you're keeping some stats there. How did we do this past week when our start sits? Very good, actually. We uh, This was the best week, I think, collectively that we've had so far. So, uh, you know, a little bit more information coming in each week doing a little bit better job at at deciphering what that means and and how to use that in our start set so we still have a couple of players going tonight in the buffalo tennessee game but uh for the most part we're getting better as the weeks go on which is good yeah uh just like some of our nfl teams can do yeah it looks like we're you know starting to figure this out maybe we know what we're talking about going on a little going on a little playoff run here I'm hoping for it. Uh, I need <laughs> a I need a Monday night miracle that probably won't happen. I need a healthy scratch of Derrick Henry and uh, <laughs> Dawson Knox and Tyler Bass to get me about like 40 points because uh, my wideouts didn't quite come through and I had a guy on the bench that really could have helped me. Jalen Waddle didn't have him starting because you know wasn't sure if he was going to be as dominant, but it looks like him and Tua or or a couple uh, uh, matchmate in heaven maybe uh, again just getting that volume around and knowing each other from. Alabama. So, uh, yeah, kind of burnt me a little bit. And I just hope that maybe something like that happens. Maybe negative points for Derek Henry. That would be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, ain't happening, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it'd be awesome. I don't Maybe know. Yourself. Buffalo, Buffalo has kind of, uh, have, has sort of owned Derrick Henry in recent history. He really hasn't scored a whole lot of fantasy points against them in the last few meetings. So there's a possibility there. I mean, I don't know about 40 from a, a tight end and a kicker, but you never know, I guess. Uh, I'm 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 just fading. Uh, I'm fading Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, if he, I think I'm up twenty six, and and he's got Sanders left to go tonight. So as long as he doesn't have one of those crazy two three touchdown games, I think I should be okay. But we'll see. I don't want to, uh, you know, knock on wood. I don't want to. I don't want to say I'm feeling comfortable because you're, you're never comfortable in, in fantasy football. No, no, not at all. I mean, especially this year, you've seen a lot of wild point swings going into Monday night and, uh, you know, the Baltimore game I remember, helped a lot of people out. You know, you see uh, a, a couple of people stacked together, giving you 60, 70, almost 100 points. And, and yeah, that's a hell of a swing, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when you're down big to, you know, to put you over the top where, you know, you're, you're writing yourself off and you wake up Tuesday morning, you're like, holy crap, I can't believe I actually won. <laughs> and slightly convincingly, too, if you, if you didn't get a chance to stay up for the game. So Yeah, that uh, time went against Lamar Jackson and Jonathan Taylor in one of my leagues last week, and it was one of those things where I was so far ahead that I didn't even look at, like I wasn't checking the fantasy scores as the game was going on. I was really just watching and enjoying the game, and then I went to bed, and I woke up Tuesday morning. I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened here? And I, I scroll back through, and sure enough, and I think it was an 80 or 90 point lead. And and there's some like a lot of bonus points and stuff in this league. So sure. Lamar Jackson put up, I think, 68 and Jonathan Taylor put up almost 40 uh, with the bonus points in that league. So uh, an 80 point lead and I somehow lost by 20. I was like, what is going on? But it happens, you know, and it could happen tonight. So I, we always keep our fingers crossed going into the Monday night game that either what you need to happen happens or, you know, what you don't want to happen doesn't happen. So. Again, that's where we're heading into that territory now. And and obviously after tonight, 
I'll be sliding into week seven, which has come fast, uh, a lot quicker than I know I thought. It just feels like yesterday we started this up and we're talking about draft prognostications and who to who to look, shoot for and doing a mock. And now, you know, now we're scrambling to figure out who to pick up off the waiver wire. And uh, I know you had uh, some ideas and, and we talked earlier. Who's one of the first uh, first names that comes to mind? I know we've got a couple quarterbacks in there. Yeah, so so week seven is, I guess, sort of being called the the bipocalypse. Um, it's, it's kind of has <laughs> been coined. It's it's the only week that we have six teams on by. Uh, we have Dallas, Minnesota, Buffalo, Jacksonville, the Chargers, and Pittsburgh all on by this week. And those teams are all full of fantasy options for the most part. And um, there's a lot of teams, a lot of teams that are going to be scrambling to, uh, you know, pick some guys up off of the waiver wire to plug in for. For this week, so we're going to try to give you a couple of waiver wire options, uh, some guys that you can pick up and plug into your lineup right away, and uh, some guys that you can maybe even pick up and stash for buys later on down the road. I feel like I did a very good job this year personally of looking at my week seven matchup in week five Mm -hmm. and picking up guys that I knew I was going to use or need to use in week seven to kind of fill in for some of these bi-week guys. And and luckily I, I am not going to wake up tomorrow and have to scramble in most of my leagues to, to grab some guys. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the lineups that I have moving forward. But if you did not do that, here's a couple of guys that, you know, might be able to help you out. One of the guys that the guy that I actually grabbed in our league, in our league of record is uh, Matt Ryan at quarterback gets to go up against Miami this week. He's only about 35% owned in, in fantasy football leagues, uh, you know, across the the major platforms. He's passing the ball right now for about 298 yards a game. Miami is the fourth worst team giving up passing yards in the entire league and fifth most passing touchdowns allowed. They have 14 passing touchdowns allowed already. And that was with only giving up one to, to Trevor Lawrence this week. They've only been able to force eight turnovers all year, not a lot of interceptions, not a lot of fumbles. So I think that you can, you can safely start Matt Ryan. He he's throwing the ball a ton. They have the second most pass attempts per game uh, in the league. And, and a lot of that's because their defense is not great, but just like we saw with uh, teams last year with, with the chiefs this year, teams with defenses that are giving up points need to have quarterbacks and and wide receivers, especially uh, that can put points on the board. So I really like Matt Ryan this week as a pickup and an immediate start. If you, uh, if you're without a quarterback. So another name I know uh, we talked about uh, and, and I'm always been a fan of this guy uh, LTBB forever. Uh, we're looking at Carson Wentz last two weeks. He's a top 10 quarterback in fantasy throwing for four touchdowns, no picks closing in on 650 yards, had a, had a, Beautiful game on Monday night against Baltimore, and obviously just because the kicker was having some issues physically that limited him, and a little surprised Frank Wright kind of pulled off the the game plan there to slow things down, and and it just didn't seem like it ended well. But he's been looking really good the last couple of weeks. Uh, picked up the the big win over Houston, which isn't hard, obviously, maybe, but uh, you know to see a player of his caliber, and again, it's been injury riddled career. And that's the reason he's not in Philly anymore. He had a horrible year last year behind a, a suspect line, a lack of talent around him. Uh, everything was pretty much in place to to push him to a, an area of failure. Um, but to see him start to really click, and a lot of people thought this was going to happen when he gets involved with the Frank Reich offense uh, that he was comfortable with from 2016 to 2018, when he really looked to be 
the best version of himself. And again, even then there were some issues with, with injuries and, and, and different things of that nature. So I, I know that he is a player with that Colts offense. You've seen uh, obviously Jonathan Taylor has really just found himself. Michael Pittman is starting to become a little bit more of a focal point in the offense. And as a fantasy player, T.Y. Hilton came back uh, this week and, and had a very nice game. Uh, we'll see how he does injury wise. And if he stays healthy through the season, I think Carson Wentz is a solid pickup to have. Obviously, if you're streaming, you may have already been getting involved with him. He is looking like a quarterback that has the potential. Uh, I know he's going to go against San Francisco in a Sunday night game. Last time he played in San Fran last year, uh, he did have a decent game and ended up having a, a win for the Eagles. That was one of the few that we had last year. So I think Carson Wentz is a solid pickup. I know San Fran is a tough team and a tough defense, and you're going to say, yeah, right. But at the same time, his last few weeks of output has been pretty solid. And Kyle Shanahan, I believe, is about three and two coming out of a bye week. So they're not monsters down there in San Fran, and they have their own quarterback trouble. So Carson Wentz might be the guy for you this week. Yeah, San Francisco, you know, is as good as their defense has sort of been over the last few years. They're actually the seventh worst team against quarterbacks fantasy-wise this year. The thing that I, I think I like about him the most is looking at his schedule moving forward. If you have a quarterback on by any of the next four weeks, Indianapolis gets San Fran this week, and then Tennessee, the Jets, and Jacksonville the next three weeks. So, um, you know, if you're if you're looking for a, a guy to fill in for your quarterback week seven, eight, nine, or ten, Wentz has got some juicy matchups. So I think that he's definitely a guy who is a very smart pickup at this point and can get you through, you know, the the majority of these bye weeks with. Um, you know, hopefully little, little damage to your, your record. Any other quarterbacks you're, uh, you're looking at? No, no. I think those two or I think those two are pretty solid. You know, there's some up and down, some hot and colds out there. Uh, maybe, maybe a Jameis Winston, maybe a Taylor Heineke. We, we've talked about them in the past, but no, I think they're, they're pretty solid, uh, pretty solid options for us right now. All right, let's move on to the running back position. Then, you know, again, there's a, there's a lot of bye weeks coming up for your running backs as well. And there's still a lot of guys looking through the, the roster percentages earlier this morning. There's still a lot of guys that are available and it, it kind of baffles me that, that some of these guys are not picked up. And I guess maybe the, the percentages are not all 12 team leagues. Maybe some of them are, are 10 team leagues and, and some guys just don't necessarily make the cut because the benches are a little bit shorter, but JD McKissick is still only roughly 41% owned amongst the, uh, like I said, the big three platforms. And I, I, I don't see how that's possible at this point. Like it, maybe he's not a guy that you're going to start every single week, but he's a guy that needs to be on your bench with Antonio Gibson's shin injury with the way that the Washington football team just seems to rotate these two guys. Like they're the same player. You have to pick up JD McKissick and you have to put him on your bench. It's you, like I said, you don't have to play him, but if something happens to Gibson, JD McKissick instantly becomes a, a top 12 fantasy option pretty much every week. And Gibson has been struggling with this shin injury for a few weeks now. So he's having good weeks, weeks. It just seems like it's for, for him, for whatever reason, it seems like it's every other week. He's, he hasn't done much weeks one, three, and five, but weeks two, four, and six, he's had really good games. And I think that he's a guy that maybe you're not starting every week, but a guy that definitely needs to be rostered. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He is, uh, you know, they've, they've had that stat, I think, where it's like every other week he has a blow-up week. But 
yeah, I have Gibson uh, in one of my leagues and I had to get McKissick right away with some training camp issues with the shoulder. And yeah, it does seem like Gibson's hurting a little bit. You might even see an IR stint pop up for him. Definitely a great call, McKissick. Speaking of great calls, I know last week, I believe my start of the week was uh, Latavius Murray, who had a nice little week as an RB2. I wasn't expecting him to be uh, a world beater per se, uh, you know, anybody that's going to just dominate the dojo, but he's going to give you that definite flexibility. Uh, he, he still seems to be the guy. Now, I know it was a crazy week for Baltimore, and they, they got a lot of people involved in the ground game. Le'Veon Le Le Bell scored, uh, Devontae Freeman scored, and Murray himself scored. Uh, he did pick up a little bit of an ankle injury, so it's going to be a little bit touch and go to see where he comes from out of this. And if obviously if he is out for some extended period, Freeman and Bell become a lot more legitimate. And that poor little guy, Tyson Williams, uh, <laughs> he was he was a fantasy darling for about five minutes and then went in and active. So it's, it's kind of tricky and hard to tell. Hopefully they don't sign another running back to, to muddy the waters down there in Baltimore. But they're still getting it done and, and watching them dismantle the Chargers. Uh, you know, again, it was a testament to the defense and that team down there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Murray had, you know, in our league, he put up close to 14 points, got his touchdown. He's been a little dependent on that to get those numbers. The two games where he didn't have a touchdown, uh, he had five points or less in both of those games. But, again, uh, if he's healthy and the ankle isn't a bad deal, we're, we'll probably find out a little bit between today and tomorrow. Uh, I think Latavius Murray has been a pretty solid player throughout this year uh, for you possibly already in your league, especially if you went through the bloodbath that was the the backfield of Baltimore coming out of training camp. If not, if Murray is out maybe for some extended time, you definitely want to switch your focus to Freeman or Bell, uh, again, just based on what that offense does out of the running game. Yeah, that was a really good call by you last week with that Murray start against the Chargers. I know that because yeah, you know. of the injury, he technically won't go down for you as a, as somebody that you got right based off of the scoring system. But um, technically, he won't, I guess, be wrong either because the way that we keep score, I, I you know, keep injuries kind of a, in a separate category. But uh, he was definitely on his way to a big fantasy day as you could kind of see by the fact that they, you know, got two other rushing touchdowns with with two other running backs, I think. Had Murray not gotten hurt, he would have had a, a really, really big day. And he's Baltimore's number one running back. And if he's available on your waiver wire, injury or no injury, you have to go out and pick him up and put him on your bench. Because when he does come back, he's, he at least in my eyes, from what I've been watching and, and looking at, He's the guy for them. He's he's going to be their number one option, regardless of you know who else is in that backfield. Bell and and Tyson Williams and whoever. He's he's going to be their guy when he's healthy. So you need to have him on your roster, even if he's not going to play in in week seven. Yeah, another guy that had a a really good week this week uh, that I just want to mention real quick. He doesn't. Um, he's rostered in too many leagues to to really make a you know our waiver wire segment, I guess. But um, if you picked up. Uh, Daryl Williams from the Kansas City Chiefs. He played a really good game, scored two touchdowns, which Clyde Edwards-Alaire, when he's healthy, does just, just does not seem to be able to do. I think that there's a pretty decent chance that even when Edwards-Alaire comes back, that Daryl Williams could sort of hold on to uh, at least a 50-50 split, if not a bigger share of that backfield, because you can see it watching the game. Like You can see like when CEH gets the ball, he sort of like stops and stutter steps and looks for a hole. And then honestly, isn't that quick to it or through it and not that powerful. 
Daryl Williams, when he gets the ball, man, he is running downhill. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the whole um, Zeke and Tony Pollard thing earlier in the season. And, and Zeke does seem to be coming back into his old form with with his, you know, his his running style and what he's doing for the Dallas Cowboys. But just watching Williams and then going back and watching CEH, Williams just looks like the better back. And I think that Andy Reid is a smart enough coach to keep the guy in there that's going to be more productive. So even when CEH gets back, if you have Daryl Williams, I would hold on to him. If you don't have him and he's available in your league, go ahead and pick him up because he's somebody that I think is going to be valuable to you um, down the stretch, especially if the Kansas City defense keeps leaking points the way they have been. I think you know they're going to have to score and Williams is going to be, uh, I think, part of that offense. He's already got more touchdowns than CEH in a very limited role. So I like Williams moving forward a lot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Again, I, I feel like Edwards Hilaire still a little young, a little undersized. And and to see, like you said, a player to run with that much conviction as a veteran who's been in the offense for a few years, knows the playbook, uh, knows what Andy wants, definitely to see that come out. Fence to see them kind of ride the ship a little bit. Maybe he's the focal point of that moving forward. I know Tyreek Hill was a little banged up during the game. I think Daryl Williams stays healthy. He'll probably be the guy. I thought maybe, you know, McKinnon might get mixed in a little bit, but with Williams playing the way he did, uh, he, he'll be an afterthought. And Andy doesn't run a ton, but but plays out of the backfield. I think Darrell Williams looks pretty solid. I'm uh, going to jump on this wide receiver, who I know coming out of training camp as a rookie uh, was a little bit. So many people thought maybe he had a shot to, to do something. And then there were some wide receiver injuries for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, wonderful name. So obviously you hope it's going to be that kind of a player as well. Um, to see him come out and start the season, you know, as anybody would on Detroit and be kind of ho-hum. Last two weeks, uh, you've really seen an uptick. Uh, it seems like uh, Jared Goff has really just found a liking for him. Uh, in the last two weeks, he's pretty much tied for the top, tied for uh, his level uh, targets with 16. So he's basically in the top 10, you know, with ties and all that for, for targets in the last couple of weeks. He's got an 81% catch rate, so obviously the man can catch the football. Uh, he's got three red zone targets, quietly putting up some points for you. Uh, in the last few weeks, you've seen point outputs of 13, 13.5, and then a 9.6 in a tough loss. Obviously, there's a lot of tough losses in Detroit, but he's starting to really become a, a go-to guy uh, for that team. And they needed somebody to step up with Tyrell Williams and, and a couple other guys getting dinged up and just kind of a, a who's who of no names in, in in the wide receiver land. And obviously, TJ Hawkinson started the season all strong. A lot of teams realized that he's the guy you got to cover. So he's had a couple up and down weeks here and there. And I think teams are starting to latch on to that. The backfield has really helped them a lot. But this this young guy uh, coming out of USC, Amon Ross St. Brown, looks like he could be a pretty solid fantasy contributor for you. Uh, obviously, if you're seeing Dallas on the bye week this week, you have a, a few wideouts that you're probably going to normally use, maybe in Cooper and Lamb. Uh, Minnesota, you have three options. They're usually double digits. They're going to be out as well. Uh, Buffalo, we know how solid their offense is. The Steelers, the Chargers, the Jags, again, these teams are all out, and we know this is a passing league. So, again, he's not only a guy that you may already have stashed, but at the same time, you're probably going to look to start him. Uh, definitely, I would think, maybe going into this week, knowing how – Everybody is going to be on the bye. They're going to be at the Rams. So you're figuring this is going to be a weird game um, it, as far as, uh, I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, 
chances are the game script's just going to have them getting blown out of the water, uh, which would not be surprised uh, at all. Um, and if that is the case, you know, they're going to be throwing the football a lot. Uh, and uh, that's just a matter of him just being involved in volume. I think definitely uh, he's a player. Amon Ross St. Brown, look to get him on your roster. You might even be starting him this week. Uh, I'm going to jump over to uh, to T.Y. Hilton. We talked a little bit about Carson Wentz earlier. I think Hilton coming back is uh, a huge thing for him. Now he did. Uh, we, they are monitoring, uh, you know, another little tweak w- with Hilton, but it does seem like from what I've read today that he's going to be okay to play next week. Right now, he's sort of kind of like he's a speculative ad. I, he's not a guy that I would necessarily say, all right, he's a guy you can pick up and play this week. I just don't know that I would have the confidence to do that. I'm, I'm sure you could if, if you wanted to, if you needed to. But at 31, you know, almost 32, he may not have that same deep threat speed, but he's a really needed option as a number two wide receiver to Michael Pittman in this offense. He actually led the team in targets his first week back with, with only four, but you know, at the same token, Carson Wentz only attempted 20 passes. So technically that's a 20% target share in his first week back. And uh, he caught all four of his passes for 80 yards. So um, I think that there's, there is a connection there between him and Wentz. It's going to, it might take a little bit of time to, to kind of develop that moving forward, but I think that he could be a very good option uh, if he can stay healthy, he could be a very good option moving forward. And he could, you know, maybe not return to the the T.Y. Hilton of old, but at least become a viable option on the other side from Michael Pittman that, you know, you could throw in there in a pinch in a bye week or um, maybe even uses, you know, a trade piece later on with, with the name that he still has in, in some fantasy football circles. Moving on, our last wide receiver that we're... Uh, still interested in. I know some people uh, last week we talked about it and, and we did see him starting to make his way back uh, onto the field uh, at, from a, a little bit of a preseason hamstring uh, groin injury. I believe one of those two, which will definitely affect a wide receiver, unfortunately. But we are looking to pick up Jamison Crowder from the New York Jets. Again, he's always been a fantasy football Darling, so to speak, when it comes to PPR. Uh, again, he did it in Washington, and he's starting to do it again already. I mean, he's only played two games so far, but in, if you take the average in our league, he's averaging close to 14 points. He had a nice big game uh, and then a decent little one-two. Looks like he's maybe going to start to seed some targets, even from Corey Davis, uh, who had been kind of the only game in town. And, and we had briefly touched on the underneath routes and stuff that Braxton Berrios had run, which made him borderline relevant for a couple of weeks. And as soon as Crowder came back, uh, he became a non-factor. Uh, I know that a lot of people are, you know, they probably dropped him last week to make some space with the Jets being on a bye. So he may be floating around out there. And again, over the last few years, he's been one of the safest floors probably in the history of PPR wide receivers, uh, just with the volume he gets. He's one of those guys, maybe not the touchdown, but if he gets just seven catches for 85 yards, just about every week, somewhere in that range. Uh, again, he's a guy that just is going to carry your flex your, or, and your wide receiver two position, especially on a week like this. Uh, again, losing out on all those skill positions. So Jamison Crowder, if he's available, uh, he should be a staple on your bench for the rest of the season and probably startable this week based on all the talent that's going to be uh, uh, on the bye for the NFL this week. The best thing about Jamison Crowder is the fact that he's already passed his bye. They had, you know, obviously the Jets were off this week. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can pick him up and basically just plug him into 
wherever is you have a wide receiver missing, you throw Crowder in there. And like you said, he gets you, you know, those seven for 85 games and the games where he actually throws in a touchdown or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe picks up 10 catches instead of seven. Like he's, he's a, definitely a solid option. I think that we went through this last few weeks with Hunter Renfro and I still like Renfro because I think that the Raiders are still going to throw the ball, but the Raiders are not going to be in as many negative game scripts as the Jets are. It's just, that's just the facts. The Jets are going to be behind. They're going to be throwing. Zach Wilson is a young quarterback who is probably going to be looking to make the safe throw. And that safe throw is going to be Jamison Crowder moving forward. And I think that for him to have eight to 10 targets a week moving forward from here is completely doable. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. One guy I'm gonna, I want to mention just real quick before we move on to the tight end position, Rashad Bateman for the Baltimore Ravens. Even though they ran the ball a lot this week, uh, I think that, you know, obviously that matchup against the Chargers sort of dictated that they were going to run the ball a lot, which is why you made Murray your start last week. But they're not going to do that every week. You saw, obviously, against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. That was a pass game. Lamar Jackson threw for over 400 yards. And I think that Lamar Jackson is kind of getting back into that 2019 Lamar Jackson mode where he is still running the ball, but not looking to run on every single play. He's actually looking to be a quarterback and throw the ball. And I think that when Bateman gets back to to full speed and full health and really integrates himself into this offense, I think that um, he could be you know a good option week to week. He had 24% of the target share in his first game back. You know, I, I think that in years past, I shouldn't say years past, last year, part of the reason that um, Hollywood Brown fell off was because the Ravens just couldn't throw the ball. Something was going on with, with Jackson. I don't know if he just, you know, wasn't reading defense as well or, or whatever, but he seems to be back throwing the ball well. Mark Andrews is the second tight end overall in fantasy. Hollywood Brown is a top, I think, 12 or 15 fantasy option this year. I think Lamar Jackson's completely capable of supporting another wide receiver. You know, it may take away from Andrews and and Brown a little bit, um, but I think that having having three guys that are threatening a defense instead of two is only going to be a good thing for Jackson. And I think that Bateman has the athletic ability and the talent to make things happen with with the targets that he gets. I did have one quick hit, uh, just real finish up the wide receivers. And again, not saying you have to go run out and grab them, but if you have maybe the extra spot and you just want to see what happens, roll a little bit of dice. You just saw uh, with Green Bay, uh, Valdez Scantling just went out with a hamstring injury. I believe they put him on IR. He has a friend there, Aaron Rodgers. He made it a point to get the trade. You have Randall Cobb uh, in Green Bay, who's probably going to get bumped up to the number two spot right behind Devontae Adams. And this might be some... Old school, oh, like old school bro love there for uh, for Rodgers and Cobb. You might see him get more involved. Uh, he did have a pretty solid game a couple weeks back where, again, in our league, he put up almost 24 points. So, again, that's all old fan favorite of, of Aaron Rodgers. And we know how he owns certain teams now after this week. Uh, and, and a guy who helped him own Chicago for a few years there was Randall Cobb. <laughs> so, again, not saying you maybe have to He's a co-owner. Out. Yes, yes, he is. You know, the, he sublets uh, the Bears to Cobb there for for that. He's always been that kind of guy for him, like the, another possession receiver, but he can make some big plays. And obviously, we saw that a few weeks back. If he's going to get the wide receiver two role in Green Bay, that's an offense that should just immediately hit you and go. Well, I might want a little piece of that. And see what happens. 
if you had the extra spot on your roster, uh, you know, obviously you might be able to just pick him up, hang on to him for a week or two. Uh, and again, maybe based on, you know, different factors, you might be able to see him become a little bit more of a thing uh, moving forward in Green Bay. So again, you don't have to kill yourself to go get him, but just keep Randall Cobb on the radar. He might become a little bit more legit uh, in the offense for Green Bay and any part of Green Bay's offense is legit. So you might want to see Randall Cobb. All right, so we're going to move on to tight ends. I'm going to, uh, I'm actually going to jump to our second tight end option because I'm going to leave the first option for you because I know how badly you want to talk about him. So a guy, a guy that you can pick up who had a pretty good game this week and I think is going to sort of remain relevant for the next week or two is Ricky Seals Jones from the Washington football team. Uh, he's only about 17% owned. He's, you know, not a guy that you're probably going to start every single week, but in the last three games, he's had uh, 19 targets with Logan Thomas out. And I think that he is a good streaming option, especially if you're, you know, if you've been starting Dawson Knox or uh, Dalton Schultz, or if you have Jared Cook in your, in your roster, uh, all those guys are going to be on by in week seven. And I think that the matchup that uh, Washington football team has this week against Green Bay uh, is a good one. Green Bay is struggling against tight ends, uh, also struggle against uh, running backs. So I think that, uh, you know, that matchup against Green Bay is uh, one that you can definitely exploit a little bit. So Ricky Seals Jones is is a decent streaming option and a guy that I think you can keep on your roster until Logan Thomas gets back from from his injury. That game script, you never know. That could get out of hand quick. Maybe they got to throw the football a ton, and and they're just giving him a ton of stuff underneath, so he could get a lot of volume there. I, I think uh, uh, Seals Jones definitely has has the potential to be a, maybe a top ten this week, even, but uh, definitely a good streaming option moving forward. And and again, depending on who's out on your bye weeks, you, you just may have to plug and play. And yeah, it's with a heavy heart. I feel like singing the. Boys to men, uh, you know, yesterday, uh, I just it, it killed me. I know it killed you. It killed the entire fan base. Again, we're Philadelphia Eagles fans. And, you know, the writing was on the wall coming out of training camp that something was probably going to happen. And, you know, you're kind of looking around as a fantasy owner, depending on where you're at, and you see different injuries pop up. And when you saw that the, the starting tight end, Max Williams, had gone out with a bad injury for the Arizona Cardinals, some signs kind of pointed to it right away. You know, because they see themselves pretty much <laughs> the, the lead dog right now in the NFC. And for them to go out and pick up Zach Ertz uh, was was a no-brainer. You're getting an Eagles Hall of Famer, and I think at the end of his career, he'll definitely be an NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, I'd be shocked if he isn't. The fantasy football community and, and myself being a recipient of, again, I won back-to-back titles. I had him as a keeper. Uh, the guy helped to redefine the position as one of those generational guys. This guy is getting over 100 catches back-to-back years. He's got the all-time record for catches by a tight end in a season. And again, just to see the output, even this year, he's had some pretty solid games. Last year, he wasn't healthy. He had a high ankle sprain. Uh, that whole offense was abysmal, and, and everybody just kind of wrote him off. Dallas Goddard being the incumbent, and that's great. But I, I just will always love Zach Ertz, not only as an Eagles fan, but as a fantasy football owner and fan. I mean, again, you're just the man. It sucks that you're... <laughs> going to possibly finish your career out in Arizona. Wish you nothing but the best. And I think he is going to be a, if if not already, he's got to be almost a priority on the waiver wire. I think he's going to win people weeks, a big target in the red zone, taking some of the pressure off the other wide receivers. I really think nothing but bigger and better things for him out there in Arizona. So if Zach Ertz is around, uh, you, you can't, you can't stop yourself. You have to go out and get him on your roster because he he's going to cut out the streamings and all that stuff. He's going to probably finish the year as a top eight tight end because of that. 
Yeah, his stock definitely went up big time uh, going to an offense like Arizona. So I, I agree. One other guy that I want to mention just real quick. Again, he's not a guy that that I am suggesting that you go out and pick up or anything like that. But he's just a guy to keep an eye on at the tight end position. Um, Pat Fryermuth for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, his his usage has been going up in the passing game. Uh, you know, and now that Juju Smith-Schuster is out for the year, uh, there may, you know, I know Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris are obviously the, the main two options on that team for Roethlisberger, but uh, every uh, the passes are going short in Pittsburgh and nothing says short passes like uh, tight ends. So I think that, you know, Firemuth is, again, he's not somebody that you're going to pick up and you're going to start right away, but he's somebody that you might want to just take note, keep an eye on. Chris Collingsworth actually said during the Sunday Night Football game broadcast last night that uh, when Pittsburgh drafted Firemuth, Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks, called Ben Roethlisberger and told him, "Man, you're really gonna, you're really gonna love this guy. He he reminds me of Heath Miller, and I think all Pittsburgh Steelers fans know how great uh, of a uh, of an asset Keith Miller was to Ben Roethlisberger three four years ago. So uh, I think as the season goes on, Fryermuth could become more and more utilized in that offense, especially in the red zone, because he's, he's a big body and a, and a big frame and he's got pretty good hands. So just keep an eye on fire music moving forward. And, and we'll, you know, obviously we'll be watching too. If he, if he starts getting, you know, five, six, seven targets regularly, he's going to be somebody that you probably are going to want to add to to the end of your roster. Yeah. Uh, I think I picked him up for like a split second, the one week and then just dropped and just to have and see, and then, yeah, you're starting to see that potential that was, uh, looked at and, and again Pittsburgh, like you said, the, the Heath Miller's concept of, of back in the day where he was just that extra piece that they needed to to be, you know, such a potent offense. Uh, drafted based on his potential, and and I know at the beginning of the year we had a little give or take about Eric Ebron, and I kind of lean Fryermuth because you did hear some some whispers that you know he had some pass catching ability, and maybe Ebron was a little longer in the tooth. And first couple of weeks there was a little give and take. Um, once he's gotten more accustomed to the offense, you know, they definitely put their faith in him. The injuries have clicked in as well. Uh, yeah, he's definitely going to be somebody, I think, who, you know, he could finish maybe top 15, top 10 after the slow start with not a lot of target. All right, cool. Let's move on to our start sits. All right. Uh, you want to get started? I'll let you I'll let you go, QB. Sure. I'll start because it's somebody that we've already mentioned. Uh, like I said, I picked up in our league of record, Matt Ryan, to start this week and just give you a couple quick numbers on why I did that and what I like about uh, his matchup versus the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Miami is actually the ninth worst team versus the quarterback fantasy wise. They're bottom 10 in yards, yards per attempt, yards per, per completion and passing touchdowns allowed. Uh, Atlanta is actually number two in pass attempts per game, completions per game, and top 12 in passing touchdowns per game on the year. So I now, you know, I'm using all the per game stats here because Atlanta is on a bye this week. So they're, they don't necessarily have as many, you know, uh, attempts, completions, touchdowns, but on a per game basis, they're up there. And, and like I said earlier, a lot of it has to do with their defense being so bad and them having to sort of throw to stay in games. But I think with, you know, Pitts finally having a breakout game with Patterson sort of being a, a nice surprise uh, as a receiver out of the backfield. Those two guys and Ridley coming back from his personal matter that he missed, uh, you know, the, the game last week. I think that this offense hasn't really shown much in the beginning of the season, 
but I think that they're starting to come around and I, and I definitely want some pieces of this offense moving forward. Uh, we're we're going to get into some trade targets in a few weeks for you here. And I think that maybe a guy that you can start looking at trading for right now, if you know, he's available is Calvin Ridley, because I think that he is, he's about to start being the Calvin Ridley that he was drafted to be. And um, he's not doing bad so far this year. He's averaging, uh, you know, about 14, uh, fantasy points a game and half PPR. So, but I think that the offense is, is starting to click. And I think that with all of the pass attempts, I think that there's some, there's some definitely some options on this team that, that you could look at. And Matt Ryan is, is kind of the head of all of those things. So I really like Matt Ryan against Miami this week. Ironically, I'm going to go with the guy that's going to be the quarterback across the field. Um, I'm going to go with Tua. Uh, I think you saw a pretty nice game. Uh, again, against that vaunted Jacksonville defense, yeah, I know, and they still lost. But to see him put over 300 yards passing, get a little, you know, a little bit on the legs, uh, he threw a pick. I, I get it. You know, coming back after missing three games, seeing him and uh, you know Jalen Waddle have a pretty solid connection going back to the Alabama days when when you know they were teammates and everything. Uh, I, I think that again, just you actually pointed out some stats, and, and on the same level, the. The Falcons defense, I mean, every 6% of every pass is attempted against them gets a touchdown. They're giving up a, a quarterback rating of 109.5. They really can't rush the passer. They're, they're having a lot of trouble just creating any kind of pressure. So to be able to see somebody like him just be able to drop back, take his time, throw the ball. And again, this this game between both defenses and the way the offenses have the ability to be, uh, could be shootout city. You might see, you know, like 50 some points easy coming off of both of these teams. I think that definitely has the potential to be that kind of a shootout where just the defenses take a back seat. I know the over under is 48. I think that's going to get obliterated. I, I see more like 54, 55. They're both kind of struggling. The Falcons coming off a bye week definitely have a little bit of the advantage, but I do. I like uh, to attack by Loa uh, to be my quarterback start of the week. I think he's going to finish easily in the top 10. Yeah, I like to call. I definitely think that's going to be a high-scoring game as well. What are you but, looking at to uh, sit uh, as far as your quarterbacks? So you know we, we've done we've done you know the first six weeks of, of regular season, and we've been telling you to pick up Daniel Jones over and over and over again. And um, he, not that he's a bad pickup, but the, these last two weeks uh, against a, a really tough Rams defense, and then Week Seven here against Carolina. Uh, just not going to be great weeks for Daniel Jones. Obviously, this week wasn't. We already saw that, and he uh, just, oh man, that they they look terrible. But I mean, I get it. It's the Rams. They make everybody <laughs> look bad. But but Carolina makes everybody look pretty bad as well. They're they're third best versus quarterback in fantasy football. You still have Barkley out. Galladay looks like he's going to miss this game. Slayton didn't come back this week, so he's still up in the air. Shepard came back and looked good, but Kadarius Tony went down. Uh, with an ankle injury and uh, the giants are just, they're getting just beat up, you know, physically uh, all of their skill players are are either missing or playing hurt. And Carolina is coming off of a heartbreaking loss to Minnesota where they, they gave up a touchdown in, in overtime to lose that game. I think the defense is going to be uh, really focused on taking care of business on their end of the football. And I really feel bad for Daniel Jones this week because Carolina is one of the top three teams in sacks and they are going to be coming after him this week. What about you? Who are you sitting this week? 
A little bit of a surprise, maybe for some people. I know you're going to think I'm an idiot, and yeah, you're probably right. But I already thought that. But yes, no, no doubt. Uh, (laughs) I I just uh, I don't like. uh, I know we we talk a lot about the the Ravens and and stuff like that, and again, how they were able to shut down Justin Herbert. So there's a little bit of a blueprint there, I think. And watching uh, over the past few years, what's gone on in the AFC North, again, to me, that division defines the NFL. Uh, I think usually you don't always get your Super Bowl winner out of it, but it's just you got Pittsburgh, you got Baltimore, and Cleveland last year stepped up and, and became a, a team of interest, and they're a little banged up right now. But you've really seen the Cincinnati Bengals come forward, Burrow, his wide receiving core, and things of that nature. But this week, I feel like this is going to be an old-school slug match. Uh, I do not like Joe Burrow to be – overly effective. Uh, I think he's probably going to be under 20 points. Uh, I see this as old school NFC North, uh, punchy in the mouth, tough defense. And I know you're going to say, yeah, Baltimore really sick. Baltimore did the last two weeks. They did give up some yardage and, and things of that nature. But uh, again, to see the way that they were able to just do what they need to do. And if my defense isn't that great, I'm just going to keep the ball out of their hands. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals do have a pretty decent defense. Again, I believe it, it probably like a top five right now in the NFL overall. So that's that's a scary thought. But I do look at the things that, that come into play. And to me, this is more of a gut feeling than anything. I know statistically Joe Burrow has been one of the better quarterbacks this year. But I see that old school NFC North game coming back to you. I see that, you know, uh, when, it, when it comes down to it, Cincinnati can be beaten on the ground a little bit uh, here and there. So I, I feel that this game is going to be taken away from Burrow and it's going to be a little bit uh, defensively uh, you know, a bit of a, a tough challenge. I also have uh, one of his wide receivers is one of my sits down the road as well. So uh, again, I say Joe Burrow, fade him a little bit this week. I think this is where he's going to start to see a little bit of that division test because this game is going to be huge for both teams. Uh, and I know they're going to try to step up. Um, again, he's not going to be unsuccessful, but I, I could see him maybe in the 15 to 18 point range, not being that dominant 22, 25, bordering 30 points a game that he's had the uh the ability to have, uh, you know, throughout the year as far as that goes. So, yeah, I, I would sit Joe Burrow if you have a better option. Maybe you don't, but uh, I would try to maybe start somebody a little bit better this week. All right, so moving on to running back, I'll let you go first with your running back. Who's your who's your running back start? Uh, talking about the bonanza that's going to be that uh, Atlanta-Miami game uh, <laughs> coming off a of bye week. Who else but Corderell Patterson? Well, he's really just kind of stepped up. He's averaging almost 21 points a game. Right off the bat, and again, that's in the NFL Com League ours with with PPR involved. Just to see, I mean, everybody's just stunned. I mean, he's going to be one of those guys at the end of the year. He's going to be on everybody's winning roster because he's just that wild card of a player. You know, he's definitely given that offense some life. And and we've talked about how Matt Ryan, maybe getting Calvin Ridley back, Pitts, all these players like starting to click a little bit, maybe offensively. And if their defense is so poor, they're just going to be behind in games where they have to get people involved. Against Miami, who is 29th against the running back in our league, they're giving up 23 points a game to running backs in fantasy football. I see Corderell Patterson, top five easily. Uh, he might get 30, 35 points this week. Definitely, I would start Corderell Patterson with all confidence this week. And again, if you're on one of those bye weeks, he's definitely going to be a guy who might have been your RB2. He's probably going to be your RB1 this week if you lost uh, any of the big dogs on running backs. Yeah, I'm going to take kind of a gimme at running back. I mean, it's not really a gimme, but he's a guy who he's a solid running back, but 
he's not somebody maybe that you're starting every single week, depending on, you know, your roster, what your roster looks like. And uh, he may be a guy that you're making flex decisions on, but I think a guy you can definitely start this week is Damian Harris from the new England Patriots. They get to go up against the New York jets and the jets are just atrocious versus the running back. Um, when I look at these um, stats and, you know, try to figure out my start sits. What I like to do is I try to look at teams that are either really good or really bad in one particular area. And the Jets are are that team. They rank seventh against the quarterback, second against wide receivers, and 32nd against running backs. So what that tells me is that either teams are just not throwing the ball against them and scoring fantasy points that way, or that their run defense is really that bad and teams are taking advantage of you know, a poor run defense. And I think that Bill Belichick is definitely, uh, you know, he's, he's maybe the smartest coach in all of football. He's going to attack where you're weak and where the jets are weak is defending the run. And I think Damian Harris is just going to have a monster game. And I think honestly, Ramondre Stevenson, if, if they continue to, to give him some work as a, as a backup could maybe in the fourth quarter alone, put up, you know, 12 to 15 fantasy points. But I think Harris is in line for 20 plus touches this week and, and a really good fantasy game. Note to self, Bill Belichick smart, Jets defense bad against the run. Thank you. <laughs> in case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Tail of the tape, let alone. Yeah, right. So um, who do you have? I, I, I picked him up. He's on my bench this week. I, I didn't need to per se start him based on positions, but, you know, wouldn't have had a, a bad thing to put him in there. Uh, I think he's going to be great going forward, but this week's going to be a bit of a tough test for him and his entire team. Khalil Herbert is going to be my sit of the week. Uh, unfortunately, he's going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So is the rest of the Chicago Bears. Their offense has been a little dodgy, and that's being polite with quarterback changes, running back injuries, wide receivers that used to be good that are starting to become good, a tight end position that's murky, an offensive line that's, you know, just you name it. Tampa Bay obviously is one of the best teams as far as against running backs. They're only giving up as a team less than 55 yards a game against running backs, less than 3.4 a carry. Bears team, middle of the road, uh, about 4.4 a carry, which is decent numbers. I mean, NFL standards, that's about average. Uh, but to see them go against the number nine defense against the running back position uh, and him being kind of a one-trick pony, this game could have definitely get out of hand offensively, obviously. Uh, I think the only thing that would happen to slow Tampa Bay down is if you start at Nick Foles because, you know, Tom Brady can't beat him. But beyond that, you're going to see Justin Fields out there. Good luck to him against that defense. And, and again, I think Herbert and them guys are going to get swallowed up and it's going to be a lot of uh, pass, 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 trying to catch up uh, in, in probably a little bit of a blowout. Chicago's defense will get up for the game, absolutely, but – at the end of the day, I just don't see them on the road in Tampa being successful. And I think Herbert will be a little bit of a fade this week. He might even be single digit points, uh, depending on game script and things of that nature. Yeah. And Damian Williams is probably, I mean, he went on the COVID list. So most guys are, are only miss about a game when, when that happens and he could be back and, and could be sharing or, or taking a lot of the touches from Herbert. I mean, I know Herbert did a, a really good job to earn himself at least some touches again, uh, moving forward, but with Williams back, yeah, that could be a two-headed monster. And I think that, uh, yeah, I definitely would not start him. I wouldn't start either of them against Tampa, but I definitely wouldn't start him even if they weren't playing Tampa, just due to the fact that you're not, at least I'm not really sure who is, you know, going to be the RB one for that team moving, moving forward. 
I am going to go with uh, Javante Williams to sit this week versus Cleveland. Uh, I know that Denver has been running the ball fairly well with Gordon and with Williams. Cleveland, though, has actually been the third best team against the running backs in fantasy. That 50-50 split always sort of throws me off. I I really don't like, uh, you know, I haven't really, I like Javante Williams. I think he's super talented, but in fantasy football, everyone knows that sometimes the opportunity is more important than talent, unfortunately. And he's not getting the opportunities. He's only averaging 11 rush attempts and two and a half targets per game. And with, with 13 and a half touches a game in a game against a, a Cleveland defense who has just completely shut down running backs for the most part. I just, I'm not really feeling either Denver running back, but, but especially Williams in this game. Uh, I do think that you could sit both uh, he and Melvin Gordon, because I think that the Browns can score points. And I think if they do, Denver is going to be forced to throw the ball. And either way that that doesn't bode well for the running backs because Williams, like I said, isn't is averaging less than three targets per game. So I think that, you know, this is either going to be a very low scoring defensive game, or I think the Browns jump out to a little bit of a lead and sort of force Denver to have to throw the ball more often than they would like. And either way, I don't like it for, for Gordon or for Williams, but I'm going to make Williams my, my set of the week. So moving on to the wide receiver position, who do you like at wide receiver? All right. Well, again, you know, not trying to take the, uh, the easy road by any stretch, not going to tell you to start Devonte Adams, obviously, but uh, I, again, I know some people think that uh, maybe this team is not as real as they are just yet. Uh, I kind of like, uh, I kind of like Michael Pittman this week uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they are kind of like a middle of the road defense against the wide receiver position. I uh, got them at 16. You see the Colts offense starting to click. The running game's getting going where Jonathan Taylor is hugely involved and, and, again, a big part. Carson Wentz looks comfortable. We talked about the Frank Wright connection when we talked about him in waivers. Uh, T.Y. Hilton being a little bit involved, and, again, just him being on the field. I, I know we talked earlier and said that that obviously helps the rest of the team completely. Uh, you've seen Pittman basically drafted to be that wide receiver one for them, and you're starting to see uh, some of that potential come through when it comes to his ability. I mean, again, he's, he's definitely been, yeah, he's definitely been involved uh, as far as the offense goes. Uh, he's like in the top 30, 35, as far as wide receivers go. And you've just seen him to pick up the pace again. He had a little bit of a quieter game this week, but again, you saw T.Y. on the field uh, when spreading the ball around a little bit and, and he didn't also throw that much. It was really dominated. If you want to say dominated by the running game and the defense going into San Fran, uh, again, Wentz won there last year. You know, he's definitely going to look for people to, to do what needs to be done. I, I think that he's going to have a nice little game. I think Hilton maybe, maybe gets a little bit of rest uh, is, is out there decoy or maybe this leg injury might, might turn into something again, unfortunately it happens, but I do feel that when it comes down to it, I think Michael Pittman's going to have a solid week. I think he's definitely startable flex, obviously, for most people he already is. Uh, but I see him as a high-end wide receiver, too, this week. I think he's going to get somewhere maybe in the 20 to 25. Uh, I could see him just taking over uh, little by little this week, and and I do like Michael Pittman. How about you, Pat? Who do you like at wide receiver this week, Patrick? Is that like a Freudian slip? Or? So, I, uh... That's your name. It's just, <laughs> I just thought maybe you are just feeling something with this with this call. So, yeah, so keeping, keeping in line with the, uh, with the Cleveland game, like I said, I, I do like to look at teams that 
that kind of struggle in one area. And the Cleveland Browns are, uh, again, third versus the running back. But they're the sixth worst team against wide receivers. And I think that, again, in this game, there's a very good likelihood that Cleveland, you know, can score the ball and sort of forces Denver to have to throw a little bit more. Uh, Jerry Judy is supposed to be coming back this week, but I, I you know, don't necessarily know that he's going to be ready to play right away. If he's not, which which it doesn't look like I, he's going to be because it's a Thursday night game, I think that Denver, again, is going to have to throw the ball, and I think that Tim Patrick is uh, going to be a guy that benefits from all of that passing. Cleveland has actually been pretty decent against wide receiver ones, but they give up a lot of receptions and especially touchdowns to wide receiver two and the wide receiver two in Denver is Tim Patrick. So I think that this week could be a Tim Patrick week. He's been pretty solid every week anyway, but I think this could be a week where he really has a good game and and maybe finds the end zone. What about your sit? Uh, Again, this is another maybe go against the grain, but I'm going to stick with my game script of the Baltimore Cincinnati game. And I was, uh, uh, fading Joe Barrow a little bit. I'm also going to fade the, you know, the young rookie wide receiver, Jamar Chase. I know he has had some really, really good games. And it looks like in most of those, uh, a touchdown and some big plays were involved. I, I don't think Baltimore is going to try to give up too many big plays. I think they're going to try to, again, keep the ball away from Joe Burrow, from Jamar Chase, from that offense. And again, I, I think if anybody, they're probably knowing a, a John Harbaugh defense is, uh, I'm not going to try to let you beat me with that big play. It's a road game. Uh, it's the, and again, same thing with Barrow. It's the second of three road games. Now for a rookie, sometimes it takes a little bit of getting used to. We're going to go into a hostile environment in Baltimore. And not saying he can't catch the ball. We know he can. That was that was the knock coming out of training camp. Everybody stayed away from him. And, and you see he comes out and he does make plays. But a lot of his stuff is just big, heavy damage, and and I can't see them succumb to that. I, I see they're going to try to do the same thing, keep the ball away, keep the ball out of his hands, shadow him probably the whole game. Uh, you might see Boyd, you might see T. Higgins a little more involved with Burrow. I know he did spread the ball around a little bit this week because it took him a little bit of time to get get used to Detroit, who quietly, look, they're a competitive team. They have a decent defense. They just can't keep it going uh, long enough to get to get themselves in, into the games and, and help to stay in the game and win the game. I would sit Jamar Chase this week. I know it sounds crazy. I feel like this is going to be one of his stinkers of the year. Everybody has one. Uh, I see him maybe somewhere between 11 to 7, 11 to 6 points. Uh, I don't see him getting his big play. I don't see him getting his touchdown. I see him maybe just getting shut down uh, for this week. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Jamar Chase is my sit of the week. That's a very thin limb, but uh, I like the, the boldness of it. I am going to not <laughs> see how it plays out. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go as bold with my sit. Um, although I am going to pick a guy who has kind of been sort of decent recently. Uh, I'm going to sit Henry Ruggs this week versus Philadelphia. Philadelphia has actually been really good against wide receivers at the third best team in the league. They haven't been great against the run. And I think that the Raiders are starting to to run the ball a little bit more often. Ruggs has basically three big games and three stinkers so far, but he hasn't had more than seven targets or five receptions in any single game. So he's not a volume play guy. He's basically like a 50, 50, you know, does he catch a deep pass, deep touchdown, or doesn't he? 
And against Philadelphia, from what we've seen so far this year, and you and I both know as being Eagles fans, Philadelphia does not give up the big pass play. They give up the big pass interference call. And I think that it's, and it's honestly not a terrible strategy um, if, if they're, if they're actually doing it that for, as a strategy, but they're, they're actually fifth best Philadelphia is fifth best uh, in pass yards per game allowed and fifth worst in rush yards per game allowed. So I think the way to sort of uh, beat Philadelphia is to run the ball and I think that, again, I think that, you know, good coaching staffs and, and on good organizations realize they look at these things, too, and they realize that, you know, Philly has not been able to stop the run. They went up against Kansas City, Dallas and Tampa Bay so far this year and are still the fifth best against the passes as far as pass yards per game. So Philadelphia's defense is not great, but it's. It, it doesn't give up a lot. They don't give up a lot of pass, pass yards. And that's where Henry Ruggs makes his money. So I'm going to sit Henry Ruggs this week against Philadelphia. Get a little foreshadowing for the Eagles defense. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I know they we've watched it and, you know, they've been an odd football team. So I, I, I definitely agree. Um, let's go to, to the tight end start of the week. Who do you got there, Pat? Well, I'm going to stay in that same game for my tight end start. And, you know, we talked uh, about Zach Ertz moving on to Arizona. And I think that is actually the best thing that could have happened to Zach Ertz's fantasy stock. It's also the best thing that could have happened to Dallas Goddard's fantasy stock. Going through the numbers, the Eagles tight ends have combined for 33 receptions on 44 targets and four touchdowns so far this season, which if you combine that and put that into one tight end, uh, that would be the tight end three on the year. The Las Vegas Raiders are the second worst team versus the tight end uh, fantasy point wise. And I think that now that Dallas Goddard sort of has that, you know, the middle of that field to himself, which, you know, Jalen Hurts is still, you know, like we said last week, he's what this is, this will be his 11th pro start. Yes. Uh, he does look for Devonte Smith a lot, which is good because Devonte Smith is, is a great, wide receiver and a great athlete, but he also looks for the tight ends a lot. And I think that now that Ertz is gone, Goddard is the benefactor of all of those targets that, that, that Ertz isn't going to get. So I think you can pretty much start Dallas Goddard any week, but especially this week against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, again, he's going to, he's going to be the new number one and we'll see how he does. And uh, playing off of my uh, waiver wire love <laughs> for this guy, I'm, I'm going to immediately start Zach Ertz. Uh, I know some people might be a little suspect and say, well, you know, hey, uh, new offense, he might not get worked in as much. He's really going to be, uh, I think, a, a bigger focal point than maybe some people feel for this offense, I think almost right away. I think they're going to want to get him involved, not to say no matter what, but they're definitely going to want to try to get him the football uh, make sure that he is just a focal point. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't have made this trade without. You saw a couple of weeks there where, where Kyler Murray, uh, he does spread the football around, but you did see where at, at the end of the day, Max Williams, who had been just a, an afterthought, let alone for them, but also back in Baltimore, one of one of many players, never quite got over that hump, so to speak. To see him do what he's able to do in his career and, and everything else, I, I really feel that I just really feel like he's going to really have a great game, but I, I can definitely see him coming out and, and just kind of getting involved. They're going up against the Houston Texans. Uh, yep. Nope. They're not really that good. 
Uh, that's nothing new. And they give up pretty much, I mean, slightly, maybe second, but give up almost 13 points a game to the position for tight end. Uh, so I could see Zach Ertz definitely getting involved, uh, showing his big uh, big playability when it comes to first downs, touchdowns, receptions, you name it. Uh, you know, again, they're going to spread it around. They're going to do what they have to do. But I would like to say Zach Ertz is going to be a start of the week. Uh, I think he's probably going to finish with maybe tight end seven or better uh, for you. And again, definitely going to be beyond a streaming option. He's probably going to be just your straight up tight end one starter moving on through the rest of the year. Good. Moving on to the tight end sits. I'm going to go ahead and sit uh, Gerald Everett for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Everett came back off an injury this week, had a pretty slow game. And I don't know if that was injury related or if that was uh, Pittsburgh Steeler related or perhaps Geno Smith related. I, I'm not really sure, but New Orleans is actually really good against tight ends. They're the eighth best team uh, giving up fantasy points to tight ends, but they're the only the 19th best team against wide receivers. So I think, especially with the wide receivers that are there in Seattle, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, even Freddie Swain, I think that Geno Smith is going to continue to look to them. He targeted Metcalf and Lockett seven times each in that game against Pittsburgh. Uh, only three targets for Gerald Everett. So I think that that's sort of going to be the blueprint moving forward. Um, you know, when you have guys like Lockett and and Metcalf, you're you're just going to target those guys. And I think with Geno Smith sort of not having the maybe the grasp of the offense that Russell Wilson has, you're, you're you're basically looking to your best players at that point. It's it's not necessarily, you know, reading defenses and finding the open guy. It's, hey, do I have one-on-one -on -one outside with one of these, you know, athletes that's probably better than the cornerback they're going up against? Yes, I do. All right, I'm going to throw it that way. And I think that's Seattle's formula. I also think from watching that Sunday night game that they they figured out that they need to run the ball. If you watched the, the game against the Steelers in the second half, they – ran the ball so efficiently and so well. And I, I want to say it was the first drive of the second half. They, I feel like they came out and literally just handed it off every single play and Pittsburgh just could not do anything about it. And Pittsburgh has a really good defense. Now new Orleans has a good defense as well. They don't, they don't give up a lot of fantasy points to running backs, but I think that if Seattle feels like they need to take the ball out of Geno Smith's hands, I just feel like the the offense is going to run through the running back and and both of those stud wide receivers. So I would sit Gerald Everett this week uh, versus the Saints. Concept with tight ends and and quarterback changes and injuries possibly. Uh, I would say depending on which option you choose, possibly more of a stream. Um, but whether it's uh, Austin Hooper or David Njoku, uh, I would sit either of the Cleveland tight ends this week. They're going up against Denver who is the third best defense against tight ends. Uh, the big thing being, too, that Baker Mayfield, uh, shocker, not a big fan, uh, but I know he didn't come out with a little bit of a shoulder injury. Uh, so even if he plays, he's not going to be healthy. It's a short week. Uh, you could also see some Case Keenum get involved there, uh, who, who's always been a bit of a gunslinger. Um, again, I, I don't maybe have the same agreements on the game itself, but – as far as the way I think that things are going to pan out for the tight end position for the Cleveland Browns, I don't see them being heavily involved. Obviously, uh, Cleveland's have some running back issues as well. Um, it's going to be an odd game. Uh, again, it could be one of those low scoring, just let's get out of here without too much happening uh, for both teams, uh, as it seems like sometimes these Thursday night games could be. But yeah, I would fade any option at the Cleveland tight end position. Don't bother. 
Uh, don't look at his, you know, you know, game script and check downs and all that. Denver's really fair enough. All right, let's move on to the defenses. Who do you have as your defensive start for the week? Uh, well, I am. Uh, we talked about him briefly. I know you were you mentioned the game a couple times. Uh, I actually am going to start the Eagles defense this week. Uh, not a homer pick. Here's where I'm coming from. Uh, if you look at them, they've been a little up and down this year. Yes, but as a whole, their defense in fantasy, maybe not in reality, uh, has been decent. Uh, again, they haven't been world beaters, but they're on the first page. They're like a top 15, 16, 18 defense. Uh, but I'm looking at one stat that's really jumping out to me, and maybe this has something to do with it, uh, that they're averaging 10 points a game on the road. Uh, they ironically aren't playing maybe as well at home. And I'm, but uh, again, looking at, again, at Atlanta, they put up 10 points in our league. And at Dallas, as bad as that game was, uh, if it wasn't for all the points, they still had four sacks, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown. They got eight there, and they got 12 against Carolina in a weird win. Averaging 10 points a game on the road going into Vegas uh, against a team that's coming off a, a heavy week, uh, losing the head coach, uh, obviously, you know, getting through and, and doing what they need to do in a football sense, but this is going to be interesting to see uh, how things go. I, I definitely like the Eagles defense. Uh, the offense for the, uh, for the Raiders has been a little bit laggy uh, recently. And, and again, I know that's just maybe the way the Raiders roll, but uh, at the end of the day, start the Eagles defense. I think they'll get you double digit points. They might finish as like a top six or seven defense this week. I am going to start uh, going back to uh, what we talked about uh, when I, I, you know, my sit of the week was Daniel Jones and it's because of this Carolina defense. So I'm going to start Carolina this week against the giants giants are the seventh worst team at giving up points to fantasy defenses. They've allowed seven and a half fantasy points per game so far this year. They're in the top six in turnovers given up with nine. And like I said before, all of their best skill players are either out or they're playing hurt. The The Rams this week just put up a, a number one overall fantasy performance against them. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of easy to pick on the Giants because of all of the injuries. But, uh, you know, when you're when you're looking at picking up and starting a fantasy defense, you, you got to go with with the matchup and the Giants are as good as any. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Carolina Panthers this week. Sounds right. Uh, again, yeah, they've, they've been struggling. And speaking of struggling, uh, we did see this Cleveland Browns defense get shredded, albeit by, you know, <laughs> by Arizona. That's nothing new. A, a lot of people have, are still high on them and, and maybe thinking going into a matchup against Denver. You know, Denver's putting up some points. They're actually uh, one of the better teams against defenses. Cleveland coming off a short week with some injuries. Uh, in the last two weeks, uh, they've given up 84 points in the last two weeks. So that's a lot that just shows that the defense is kind of hurting. If the Browns are having trouble moving the ball on offense with a lot of three and outs, you're going to gas that defense. Uh, you're asking for trouble. Uh, and I wouldn't go there again. It's different maybe in a week or two when there's a little more clarity. But ironically, injuries on one side of the ball can affect the other. We do see that in football. I would sit the Cleveland Browns defense this week. You can definitely find a better option. Uh, out there. And, and again, they're not one of them going into Thursday night. All right. And I'm going to sit the Chicago Bears defense against Tampa Bay. Again, this is pretty much just a matchup play. The Bears have been pretty good so far this year defensively in real football and in fantasy football, but nobody has really done anything against the Bucs. They uh, are actually the second best team against defenses. They're only giving up 
roughly two points per game against fantasy defenses. They they just score a lot of points and they don't turn the ball over. It's really hard uh, for defense to score any points when those two things are happening. So uh, at least like the Chiefs, at least Patrick Mahomes is throwing picks. So, I mean, if given the opportunity or the choice between going with, uh, you know, the Chicago Bears defense or the Tennessee Titans defense, like if those were my only two options, I would I would go with Tennessee in the hopes that you know Mahomes keeps this this uh, turnover barrage going on and and you know take my shot there. I just Tampa Bay is too surgical. Too they just beat you too many ways. They score too many points. It's just I would just not start a defense against them. So I'm going to sit the Bears this week. Yeah, sounds like a pretty legit reason there. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week, folks. Thanks for listening to us again and keep coming back. If you have any start sick questions or anything that you want to, you know, sort of run by us during the week, I know that we only put one of these podcasts out uh, every week. So it's, it's difficult. Sometimes you get later into the week and you're like, Oh, well, they never, they didn't mention this guy or that guy or whatever. But if you have any questions, uh, you know, like I said before, if you'd like our opinion on who you should start, who you should sit, who you should pick up, uh, who you should drop even you can message us both on Twitter. I'm at the nine route one. Scott is at Scott from Delco. Uh, you can also email us at the nine route FFB at gmail.com. And we will definitely get back to you with any uh, questions that you may have or, you know, advice that you might need moving forward going into the week. You know, a lot of times these injuries creep up later in the week and you're not really sure you know, where you should go as a pivot from, from some of these guys. So if you have any questions, please feel free to, to look us up and, and shoot us a message. And, uh, you know, like I said, we'll do our best to, to give you the, the best advice that we can given the, the research that, that we're doing. Yeah. Uh, again, researching it is a, is a big part. You can look at stats and then sometimes, yeah, you have to look at a little bit deeper into it sometimes too, and look at the injuries, look at the matchups, look at the, the weather that's going to be there, you know, if it's crappy, if it looks like it's going to be horrible weather and it's bad rain and, and storms or, or snow down the road, that won't be long for some of these teams in the North. Again, you're going to see maybe the passing games limited, get back into a little bit more of a running old school style, just to make sure that things are happening the right way. You know, defenses getting maybe a couple extra points because of a low scoring game. So they didn't give up as many points against uh, little things like that, you know, once in a while to take a look at, but no, at the end of the day, I know Pat and I are, are doing our best here. and We're, we're trying to make everybody uh, winners, uh, hopefully not against us, uh, obviously in our league. But, uh, you know, as far as everything else goes, yeah, definitely. We appreciate all your love, uh, everybody listening to the podcast and supporting us. Uh, we're going to look to come back in week eight and just hammer it again. Keep on going. Go Birds. And, uh, you know, Pat, as always, man, thank you. Yeah, man, it was good to uh, good to talk to you again about fantasy football and uh, talk to you again next week. Sounds good, folks. Peace.